What up, what up, what up, everyone? This is the Dr. Football Podcast. I'm Dr. Dennis Tian here recording tonight, as always, with my main man, the CEO of Hedge Better, Justin Fine. Justin, what's going on, my man? Not too much, man. Getting ready to uh, do a little Thanksgiving traveling for the holidays. Heading back to Nebraska for uh, for Thanksgiving. So just trying to wrap up things here. What's going on with you? Oh, nothing much. Just getting around. You can definitely tell it's the holiday. Everything's super busy everywhere. Traffic is insane already. And uh, I actually have to go to the grocery store tonight after we finish recording. So I'm a little afraid for that. Oh, geez. What do you got to get? Hopefully not a turkey still. Not a turkey. I, I got to get some salmon, actually. Fatty uh, salmon. We're gonna have salmon on Thanksgiving, so I have to. Right. I have to get some fish, but I have to. I'm gonna put on my suit of armor and my helmet and go to Whole Foods at about eight thirty tonight and hope for the best. All right. Well, yeah, eight thirty is not a bad time. Hopefully, things will be slowing down a little bit there. That's what I think because I could have gone at lunch today, but I was like, you know, I was like, I'm not going to go. I'm not going anywhere near that place uh, during the day. I'm like, I'm going to take my chances that there'll still be like some sort of edible fish in that place by nine o'clock tonight. And I'm just going to like go then and hope for the best. And hopefully the herd will be thinner by then. Yeah, no, I think you'll be good. That's probably your best bet. All right, man. Cool. Well, listen, we don't want to talk too much about Thanksgiving. We're here to talk about football. And as always, with the focus on the New England Patriots, we got an awesome, awesome episode planned um, tonight. And um, as always, a lot to talk about with this team, Justin. So let's just get right to it. Um, The Patriots with a big win again on Sunday. The Patriots have now won five out of six games. They are six and four. They've beaten a quality division opponent in two of the last three weeks. Generally speaking, like we talked about before in the podcast, a team that had won five out of six games that was six and four, that was streaking and hot, making big plays, we would feel really enthusiastic about. I still don't feel like people feel good about this team. I don't feel great about this team's future. Um, It just still feels to me, Justin, like there's something lacking with this team. I don't know if I can ever remember a worse Patriots offense ever, ever in my entire time as a fan, with the possible exception of 92, 91, like the years when I was first starting to really even be a football fan pre-Bledsoe. Okay, that's how far back I have to go to remember an offense that was this inept. And I feel like it's really hard for people and hard for myself to get around and get behind this team and really take this team seriously as a contender when they're just so fundamentally flawed. And I might add this another factor into that goes into this, which is we've seen this defense look like a dominant defense before and then just completely fall apart when it really counted. And, and, and you can't help but wonder when you look at some of the opposition the last few weeks, if that's, what we're being set up to happen again here. Another epic collapse a la 2019 for this Patriots defense. So, Justin, the Pats are 6-4. and four. We should feel good about them. I really don't. Do you have more optimism or pessimism for the future of this team? And should we start to take this team as a serious playoff contending type team like we typically would for a team that's 6-4 and four and has won five out of six games? You know, I, I would love to be able to say that 
I'm feeling really good about where we're at and where we can go the rest of the season. But, in, you know, especially coming off of what many people would call an exciting win uh, this past weekend. But, like, as exciting as it was, I think it really just highlights the major problem. And that's the fact that it took a last-second punt return touchdown, the first, by the way, in the league this year, uh, just to put any uh, just to put a touchdown up on the board, right? We had three points going into uh, the final minute of that game. And, like, you know, that's just not going to cut it. It's unacceptable. And it doesn't matter how good the defense plays. doesn't matter if you make plays on special teams. If you're getting three points out of your offense, you're not going to beat the Kansas Cities, the Buffaloes, the Miamis, the Baltimores of the world. It's just not going to happen. I'm not sure you're even going to beat an average team. Forget You're talking the top offenses in the league. I don't even think you could beat, you know, uh, an average team short of a team that puts Zach Wilson out there at quarterback. And we're going to get to how awful and inept that guy is. Um, you, you're not beating anyone, you know, unless they have Zach Wilson, let's say a Brooks um, Ellinger, um, you know, the quarterback from the Colts a few yeah, weeks ago, yeah. like those are the kind of teams that you could beat. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Like, you know, I, I think, like, look, I do think this is a good defense. I, I would even go as far as to say, like, it's approaching one of the better defenses in the league. But, like, you know, I, I think we're being sold this kind of false promise here. Like, we, we in, uh, in our last four games, you know, we faced uh, Zach Wilson twice. We faced Sam Ellinger. And, like, we did what we should have done to those beat-up offenses. But, you know, we played the, played the Bears, in like Justin Fields and like granted Justin Fields is like playing much better now the Bears are actually looking like somewhat decent but like we got embarrassed by Chicago at home on Monday night in primetime like we were there we saw it firsthand like that is not something that happens to a truly elite defense so like well I do think this defense is good and while I do think this is an overall decent Patriots squad I just I don't know I, it's the lack of offense um, and the lack of a proven defense against a high-flying offense uh, that's still worrying me. Ab- absolutely, completely agree with, with that take and in that analysis. It's, it's spot on. This team is, is so flawed. Um, you know, I, I do feel like the defense looks a little different than it has in some of those years where we've had the carpet pulled out from us. And, and maybe that's just hope and, and being a fan. Um, but I don't think that it's the, the thing that I really just have a hard time getting around is it feels like the offense is, is, is still kind of hopeless. As, as we talked about last week, it just feels like they're regressing. It feels like they're getting worse. It feels like they, they are truly a bad offense. And what I was wondering this week, and, and I'd like to see, you know, what you think. I mean, I, I think for me, to, this is probably the worst offense since I was like a 10 or 11-year-old kid, you know, late 80s, early 90s, that, that time. Is this the worst Patriots offense, Justin, that you've ever seen? You, you were born in the mid-90s, and uh, you kind of grew up in the Brady era. This is the worst Patriots offense you've ever seen. Is that not right? Yeah, like, yeah, 100%. And, like, you know, I, I know I didn't have a lot of, you know, pre-Brady uh, experience, and, you know, we none of us really have post-Brady experience other than the last couple of years, but, like, you know, I, I remember even the year we had Matt Castle, and, like, our offense looked pretty decent. He played pretty good, and, like, I believe we finished, like, the season, like, 9-5, and five, something like that. 11-5. Uh, 11 11 sorry, five. yeah, 11-5. and five. Um, I, You know, I, I just don't 
I just don't understand. Like, and look, like I don't want to completely blame Mac Jones, right? I think the offensive line play has has been horrible, which we'll get to. Um, I think his weapons have been like you know very underwhelming. Um, which which you know there's really no excuses for that. You know the play calling, as we alluded to, has just been awful all year. It's just so boring, so stale. So many give up plays, run it up the gut on you know second and long or third down, right up the middle. Um. It's, it, there's just really not too many bright spots other than, you know, our, our backfields. Um, and we're losing. There are no bright spots. No. You, you know, even you talk about the running games, like there has a running game really been consistent at all this year? Like, they, they, no. like you alluded to, how many times do they try to go back to that running game? They hit a good pass play down field. We saw it several times this week and they try to get back to that running game. And, and they get and, and all of a sudden it's second and 12. And, and this team, the way this offense is set up right now, they just have absolutely no answer for that. You know, you said you don't blame it all on Mac Jones. Like, I, I'm not saying I'm thrilled with the way Mac Jones is playing, but I, I honestly, the more I see of this team, the more I just feel like Jones has just been dealt a terrible, terrible hand. And I would go so far as to say, and you might not agree with this, I thought he played a really good game on Sunday. He was 23 for 27 for 250 yards and no turnovers. He was handed a lousy hand and he played it to the best of his ability, the best that he could. I'm not sure there is any quarterback in the league that could have done much better. Now I was at the game uh, on Sunday and when he was taking those stacks, there was nobody open and it's not like he has good pass protection to begin with. So, I mean, this guy has, I think what 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 I walked away from Sunday saying is that even when Mac Jones plays well, there are so many problems on this offense yeah. that 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 it doesn't even matter. Like you know, Jones became the whipping boy somehow this year for for so many Patriots fans, and I think there's a lot of reasons for that. And I'm not saying that he played great at all times because he clearly started the year off slow. But I think early in the year, Justin, the guy was pressing. He was trying to take the crappy cards that he was dealt and make something that wasn't there, forcing balls up, trying to make plays. You know what? He stopped doing that now. And now he's just taking what's available. And what you're seeing is that there isn't much available. There isn't much there to work with. So whether the only choice Jones really has is whether to take a sack, throw it away, throw a short check down or, or, or fire the ball up. And, and he's, did the fire the ball up thing at the start of the year. It didn't work. He's getting away from that. Um, it doesn't matter because this offense is so dysfunctional. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I can't really disagree with any of that. I think the only the only point that I would make is, I guess, you know, if anything, I think this may be highlighting the limitations of Mac, right? Like, because I, I, I agree with your point that, it's you know it's really not his fault when you look at um, or at least it's primarily not his fault when you look at all the other external factors he's got working against him. I guess to me it's a little bit more telling, right? Not that not that he's not a decent quarterback, not that he doesn't have potential, um, you know, to to lead your franchise, but it tells me that he doesn't have like that, you know, or his, his potential is is capped a little bit. It tells me that he doesn't, and I think we already knew this, but, you know, the verdict on a second-year quarterback, you know, you can't really can't really write the book on him just yet, right? But, I like, like, to me, it tells me he doesn't have that, like, special X factor that, like, hey, when all else fails, like, I'm still going to 
wow you with the with an Aaron Rodgers type throw, or I'm gonna elude a, a sack like 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 the likes of uh, Patrick Mahomes, or take off and run like a like a Jalen Hurts. Like and, I, and again, it's like we we kind of knew that, but I think this is just solidifying like what we honestly I don't think about I don't right. agree with it. I really don't agree with that. Like I think that he he you know I don't know if he has that or not. So I'm not saying he has. That. I'm just saying, like, I'm drawing no conclusions about this guy because this has been such Mac Jones, because this has been such a mess this year. This has been a cata- catastrophic, a sports catastrophe on offense. And it begins and ends with Matt Patricia, okay, the dunce, put the dunce cap on him because he does not know what he's doing. And I don't think it's fair to draw any conclusions about Mac Jones based on what's happened in the five plus games that he has played in the 2022 season because this whole thing has been a mess. The talent around him sucks. The skill position talent sucks. The offensive line is has to be one of the worst in the league. I mean, they just can't pass block to save their life. And the scheme and the play calling is, is literally the worst I've ever seen. And I'm no expert, but it just doesn't feel right. Matt Patricia doesn't know what he's doing is, is what I'm starting to realize. And I don't see how you can draw conclusions about Mac Jones under these conditions. This isn't just like, you know, um, coming in to a less than ideal situation. And I mean, cause that's kind of what Mac did last year. If you think about it, right. There was no, there's no Jerry Rice or Randy Moss or, you know, um, Rob Gronkowski on this team to help be the safety net for, for a young quarterback. Last year's team had offensive line issues. Last year's team had below average skill position talent, but he still went in, had a good year. They got to the playoffs. Okay. Why? Because they had, they had enough there for him to work with. There is nothing there for this kid to work with. I don't know if he's going to be a good quarterback. I don't know if he's going to be a great quarterback, but I still would not draw one conclusion on him because Matt Patricia and this offense is so dysfunctional. I don't think it's fair. Yeah, I mean, look, it's tough to it's tough to argue with any of those points. I mean, you know, especially when you talk about Matt Patricia and the rest of this offense. I mean, look, how you interpret you know, how, how you interpret it is obviously up to debate, right? I mean, you might take nothing away from it. I might think it says, you know, something about Mac. But at the end of the day, you know, we're we're really just kind of, I guess, you know, I guess we're trying to explain what's going on with Mac, but really the I, I think as we're alluding to, you know, the whole situation is just kind of uh one big cluster F, as they like to say. You know what I mean? Like, there's really... It is. It, it's really just a, a, a ton of external factors all kind of culminating into one crappy offense that, you know, really doesn't look like they're going to be able to do much, especially, you know, you talk about you talk, uh, about a front line like the Bills um, and, you know, some of these other teams that are able to stop the run on a consistent basis. You know, the Patriots just strike me as that type of team where if their run game goes stale... They're screwed because even when their run game is at its best, um, you know, their, their, their passing game, you know, the air attack hasn't looked too great this year. So, you know, they really rely on their passing game to open up some space for them. But don't uh, you think too, it's kind of like a flow issue too, because like, I feel like whatever, whatever the problem is, like there are times when they run the ball well, and there are times actually when they've passed the ball well, but it just feels like th- th- they can't string it together in like a series to get in the end zone. This, there are times when this team, and certainly on Sunday, moves the ball up and down the field, um, oftentimes through the air, okay, and then completely stalls out. They are the worst red zone offense in the NFL. Did you know that? I did, but it doesn't shock me. 
They are the worst. They are last in red zone offense in the NFL. And Sunday was a great example. They drove, they, they passed the ball up and down the field on several occasions. And then for some reason, they just cannot find the rhythm to keep the drive going. You know, when they run, they should pass. When they pass, they should run. When they play action, they should do a quick pass. When they do a quick pass, they should have done a play action. There's no rhythm to what they're doing. And so even though they accumulate yards at times, and Mac doesn't look bad at times, certainly the last few weeks, at the end of the day, they don't score points. And I just feel like it comes down to Matt Patricia's lack of experience as a play caller, that he that, that, that lack of rhythm, that inability to say, okay, this worked once, but now this is going to work here. And then this is going to work here. And we're going to string this together and get a drive. It doesn't happen for them. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Like, you know, there's flashes, uh, but we, we haven't been able to see them put it together. And it really makes you wonder, right? Cause the flashes tell you that there's some capabilities in some, you know, uh, I guess some potential, you know, somewhere in there. Uh, but it's just very frustrating to, frustrating to not be you know, able to see it come at a consistent basis. So, or, yeah. or results in points. I mean, how many times right. they move up the field and then they, they, they end up settling for field? I mean, look at the Jets, the first Jets game, the Colts game yep. this week. You know, they're settling for field goal attempts. They're, getting, they're not, not moving the ball. They're not, not move, they are moving the ball and settling for field goal attempts. So let me ask you this, Justin. Any other offensive coordinator in the league that was leading an offense this bad. I'm sorry. Their job would be in jeopardy. My first question to you, is it time to take the play calling away from Matt Patricia? <laughs> I mean, I'd like to say yes, but who do you give it to? How who about you- Nick Haley? How about Nick Haley, the young guy? I I mean, I guess if you trust him. If you trust that he can I do it. I mean, it, I, I guess my problem is, you know, Bill just... I don't know. Does Bill strike you as the type of guy to just uh, do something like that? Like, I feel like he's, oh, you know, you got to you gotta earn your stripes, climb your way up the ranks type of guy. Like, if he doesn't feel like he's putting his time, maybe, uh, you know, maybe he's reluctant. He, he it, you know, I think it's, it's not necessarily that. I think it's that, you know, he has a personal relationship and affinity for Matt Patricia that's affecting his judgment. And that's affected his judgment to even put – the Patriots and Mac Jones and this franchise and even put Matt Patricia in this situation. Okay. It's because of his emotional attachment, his affinity for Matt Patricia, but it's been an abject disaster. Is it time to take the play calling away from Matt Patricia? Absolutely. It is any other coach, any other franchise in the league, when you have an offense that is this inept and getting worse, getting worse, I might point out and has been pretty much inept from the start of the year to the finish, they would do something different. They would take the play calling away. This That's how big of a disaster. This isn't the first time a team has had a total fail in terms of a coaching or coordinator hire. Um, typically, in these situations, teams do something. It's time for Belichick to do something. If you're not going to, if you're not going to, you know, get rid of Patricia, fire him, take away the play calling from him. Yeah, I you got to do something because I mean you got a good young team here. You got a defense that's that's playing pretty well. You put yourself in a good position uh, to you know make a run at the playoffs here, and um, you know you just you really feel like after what you did last year, you know making the playoffs, even though you got whooped in the first round, 
you feel like it's just it would be a really tough point for your franchise to take a step back. You know what I mean? Like you really wanted to build in the momentum that you thought you kind of had. Justin, this year. whole year it's been a huge step back already. Like, what did we say was more important than making the playoffs this year? Max development in, in Max in development as quarterback. Yeah, a hundred percent. The floor has fallen out. We were talking about a floor ceiling debate last year. We talked about this last week, but we were talking about it last year where the floor was okay. He's above average, and the ceiling. Well, we don't know what the ceiling is. Well, guess what? He's nowhere near playing at an above average level. He's playing like one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. The floor has fallen out from this guy. That they can make the playoffs this year. They could win a playoff game this year if they do it. And Mac Jones looks like a a a, a total regression and, and doesn't look like a franchise quarterback. This franchise is worse off than they were um, going into the year. And I don't see how, you know, a most franchises would not hold the offensive coordinator accountable for that. My next question for you, Justin, do you think it would be totally unreasonable to fire Matt Patricia at this point? No, I mean, no, I, I really don't think it would be unreasonable. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I, I, I know we kind of, we go back and forth on this. I know you don't think he has any use. I mean, I think he could have some use somewhere, whether it's the head offensive coordinator. You know, I think the the verdict's almost out on that. Um, I wouldn't say he has no use. I would say that he has that, – that he actually, I love in concept the idea of hiring failed head coaches to be assistant coaches. I love that because I feel like they bring a lot of expertise from their failure as a head coach when they come back as assistant coaches, Matt Patricia would be a fine assistant coach uh, as part of, you know, assistant to the head coach thing or assistant to the defensive coordinator thing. It's not an offensive coordinator role. He clearly is not, is not capable of doing that job. It, it definitely seems like it a hundred percent. And you know what, not to get caught up in the whole um, Josh McDaniels thing, but like the more and more I think about it and the more and more I look back and I'm like, okay, well, what really changed from last year to this year? Because as far as I can see, you know, the only thing that should have changed is that you had a quarterback that had another year of growth and maturity, you know, in another full off season and training camp under his belt. Same for all the new uh, offensive assets that they got last year. Um, you know, it, so everything was pretty much the same except for the offensive coordinator. Like things were all in place for them to take a step forward. And they've taken a huge step backwards. So, yeah, I mean, the more and more I think about it, the more and more I, I really wonder just how important, you know, whether it's... and Maybe it wasn't necessarily that McDaniels was super important. Maybe Patricia is just that incompetent. But I think it's either got to be one of the two it's or a combination both, of the two. Right, I think it's probably a combination of the two. You can't yeah. get a result this dramatic this quickly, <laughs> you know, to go from that decent to that bad that fast without um, you know a couple things and it's you just said it it's the fact that mcdaniels was a really good one cool offensive coordinator and matt patricia is a really bad one so if it was my call like i think most franchises in the nfl would be looking at taking the play calling duties away from the offensive coordinator they would be looking at firing the offensive coordinator like indianapolis just did a few weeks ago and and if it was my call i think they should give nick Cayley a shot because i honestly don't see – I've just – I've never felt in the modern era of Patriots football, the post-Bledsoe era, I, I really have never felt or seen an offense like this. It's just so predictable, lacking rhythm, um, always wrong, um, simple, very simple, right? They, they, don't, they don't seem to utilize 
any of the things they had in the past and just so off. Like it's, it's time, I think, but it won't happen for the reason you said too. And that's because Belichick has an affinity for Patricia. He's not going to do it. He should do it. He's not going to as great an X's O coach as Bill Belichick is. This is his weakness, right? One of his three weaknesses is cronyism. And this is it on full display. So I'll ask you then next question. Who is more to blame for this mess? Bill Belichick or Matt Patricia? Right? Who's calling the final shot? Who put Matt Patricia in the set in the situation to fail? You know, that's that's a tough question. That's like a I, I don't know. That's that's a tough uh, question to answer because look, you know, you can always say that Belichick's the boss. He's responsible. He made the decision to put him there. He's making the decision to continue to keep him there. Um, that ultimately is the guy who's running the team. You know, it, all, all decisions kind of come back and, and rest in his shoulders. But you know. I don't think that it should excuse Patricia's, you know, poor performance or, or his incompetence. Like, I I get the argument could be made that Belichick is the one that's really at fault here. But, I mean, look, at this point, I think Belichick's also one of the reasons that we have been able to keep our heads above water with the current situation. You know, he's clearly shown that, um, you know, we're still able to do some of the things that we rely on as Patriots teams to win easy games, beat bad quarterbacks and, you know, rookie coaches and, and rookie quarterbacks and all that stuff. Like, Belichick has still kept us afloat with some wins. So, like, at the end of the day, I'm going to put the majority of the the onus onto the guy who's actually failing at his job, and that's Matt Patricia. Yeah, I mean, that that's totally fair, and I, I really can't say that you're wrong to do that. I mean, I kind of go back and forth. Like, I think back to the preseason, right? Whose decision was it to waste the whole preseason trying to implement a, a zone-blocking run scheme? Whose decision was it to totally revamp the offense, right? That's really Matt Patricia. That's the offensive coordinator's decision. So, like, you know, Matt Patricia has made plenty of mistakes and bad decisions throughout the year going back to the preseason and training camp and mini camp and everything that you can easily put the blame on him. But at the end of the day, I mean, this was so imminently predictable that this Patricia judge thing was probably not a great idea. We panned it us two people that aren't football people that, that are just fans like almost every other Patriots fan did raised eyebrows, asked questions said, really judge and Patricia, what are they doing? Why aren't they bringing in a real OC? You know, there were reports around the time of the scouting combine and the draft of other teams laughing at the Patriots for bringing in Patricia and judge to run the office. So like this was totally predictable that this was probably not going to work. And I think that, yeah, like as much as Patricia is clearly failing and responsible and he's done a lot of foolish things with this offense that I think are a reflection of his arrogance and his overconfidence in himself. I also think that you could say the same thing about Belichick. Like he really put Patricia and judge in positions that to fail, but he also did it at a time that was an absolutely um, critical critical time for this for this franchise with Mac Jones going into his second year the time when you needed Mac Jones to have the most support to take those key steps this isn't like we had you know Ben Roethlisberger in his sixth year you know an established Pro Bowl caliber quarterback we're developing a rookie quarterback we needed stability and what did we give him instability and a guy and a a Matt Patricia that's that's still that's still learning his own craft so I feel like Belichick does deserve some of the responsibility for that. It, 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 yeah, no, I mean, look, you're not going to, Belichick is not going to completely absolve himself 
of the responsibility. Like, no matter what. Like, it's obviously, the decision's obviously going to come back down to him. Um, you know, I guess I'm just, I, I'm going to look at some of the good things he's done as well. And apparently, you know what? Unfortunately, uh, it's just one of those, I don't, honestly, I don't, I don't want to say like seasons because like I feel like every now and then Belichick has one of these seasons where like he does just as much to like hurt us as he does to help us. And like yeah. this may be one of them. Like, you know, we can point to plenty of times, plenty of seasons, even when we had the likes of guys like Tom Brady and Gronk and, and real weapons and, you know, some, some, some real playmakers in this team. Like he just would refuse to, I don't know, go out and, and get the defense necessary. Or he would go out and refuse to – uh, put some real weapons around Tom, other than Gronk um, and, and Edelman. You, you know, he 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 left us bare and thin at positions plenty of times, and it was the wound up ultimately being the Patriots' downfall plenty of seasons. So, like, I think this is just going to be another one of those seasons where uh, Belichick hurts us just as much as he helps us. I agree. I mean, he he, he made he he's made big mistakes before, and it's cost him before. I think he's usually right. I think over the years he's, he's been right a lot more than he's been wrong. I mean, that's a fact. I think the last few years he's been wrong a lot more than he was in the past. And I would almost go so far as to say that he maybe has been wrong more than he's been right, or at least close to it or closer to it than ever before. Do you agree with this take, Justin? And I think you do from what you just said, that the irony of this season is that in a way, Bill Belichick has proved his mastery of the head coaching position and at the same time made probably one of the biggest mistakes in his career in giving the keys to the offense of Patricia and judge in a way that actually is completely undermining um, him moving forward in this post Brady era. Right. Like, like he is showing his brilliance as a head coach on an almost weekly basis. And yet, and yet he also screwed himself profoundly by letting Patricia take, take the Mac Jones development and take the offense and, and it's like, and, and, and in a sense, they're almost going to balance each other out. Yeah, I, I would totally have to agree with that. I mean, um, it, you know, it just seems like, like exactly like you said, like, you know, there are times when I'm like, oh, thank God we got Belichick. And then there are times where I'm like, Jesus Christ, Belichick. Like, you know, it's, and it's, it's just been one of those years. Um, I, it, it reminds me of almost, I know this was like a, you know, a one game example, but ultimately it was a, a game changer for the whole season, right? When he he didn't play Malcolm Butler in the Super Bowl, and we lost to the Eagles, right? Like it almost feels like it's like that's what we're doing for the entire length of the season. It's like we're we're putting the wrong person in the wrong position, watching the mistake play out, seeing the the consequences, and not doing anything to change it, and just accepting whatever may come of it. He's every bit the head coach that he ever was, I think, in terms of his ability to coach X's and O's. And, and he's clearly shown that the last three years since Brady's gone. I mean, look at the, the, the talent they've put out there or lack thereof and the fact that they've been competitive. There's no question, like, you know, Belichick is still a terrific X's and O's coach, but, but for some of these things on the periphery, like the Malcolm Butler thing, like some of the draft picks, like, like the Brady thing, the Cam Newton, thing now now this thing with patricia and judge it feels like he he has developed a significant downside to his coaching game if you will or, or like you have to take the good with the bad with this guy and and as he gets older you know the ratio is getting closer and closer to where the good and the bad may balance each other out or even the bad maybe at some point even outweighs the good i don't think that's where we are now but you know I, i'm always reminded when you watch the red zone you look around the league hey 
it could get a lot worse than what we've had here in the last three years. Seven and nine, ten and seven, six and four. There are a lot of franchises in this league that would that would kill for that to be their last two and a half years, and that's the reality. And Belichick's always going to give you mediocrity just because he's such a great coach and he knows the game so well. But now he's got this like this 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 dark side, this double-edged sword element to him and all the the the, the, the cronyism the, the the personnel stuff the bizarre way he's doing things the stubbornness um that that is really i think probably going to prevent this team from from taking this the steps back to where we hope they would get and it's it's going to be one of those things where you know how long are we going to tolerate being above average before before we we feel that they feel like they need to move on and i guess that leads me to my next question which is you know, what's Robert Kraft saying about all this right now, Justin? Where do you think Robert Kraft is on, on the Belichick issue, the, the, the coaching issue with, with bringing in Patricia and Judge? And uh, we talk about the Belichick doomsday clock a lot. Where is the Belichick doomsday clock right now? It's not, is it moving forward? Is it steady? Are, are we kind of just in a holding pattern? What do you think? I don't think there's been much movement, you know, in the over the last few weeks. I, you know, I, th- I think it's been one of those things where – like we've talked about, he's he's done some good things and in, in won us some games, and he's also, you know, directly or I guess you could say indirectly, uh, cost us some games from some from some of the the decisions he's made, you know, heading into the season and continues to make that are continuing to affect us. Um, but ultimately, like, look at the end of the day, we've won, I believe, what it's like four of our last five or five out of our last six, something like five that, right? Five out of six, right? You know, we we just won a big game at home. Um, you know we're six and four. We're we're sitting in a in a decent spot to make the playoffs. So you know what? I, for right now, I'm holding the clock still. Yeah, that's where I am too. Like I'm holding the clock still. I I don't think like I I I don't see a scenario where Kraft would outright fire him this year based on where they are. Um, you know I'm assuming they're going to win at least a few more games and they're going to be somewhere around 500. And I think you know for for that for this team for this offense for what happened with Patricia and Judge, you have to give. Belichick credit, even though he's responsible for Patricia and Judge, for what he's done since then, and, and getting this team to borderline playoff contention. Um, th- that's the brilliance of Belichick. Um, but what I what I will say is, I do see a scenario where Belichick could be done in New England after this year, and it's very simple. If Kraft puts his foot down, okay, and says, Matt Patricia and Joe Judge have to go, I want a real offensive coordinator in here this year. Couldn't you see a, a scenario where Belichick tells Kraft to take a hike? This is my team, my operation. I run the football, and I'm not going to be told what to do, and, and, and ultimately leaves. Because how can Kraft, if, if this continues to look the way it does over the next seven games, how can Kraft support bringing back Patricia and Judge? How could anyone? But Belichick's so stubborn. Is he going to really back down from that? You know what I mean? And it could lead to a, a, a difference. It could. I mean, I would like to think that, you know, Belichick would be a smart enough guy to see that, hey, this isn't working out and we need to make some uh, some changes, right? Even if he's not smart enough to admit that mistake mid-year and change course on the team, you know, mid-season, I, would, I feel like he's got to at least be smart enough to, to recognize that and address the issue going um, into the offseason. So, I mean... You know, I guess it's. I guess there's always uh, a likely possibility. You know what I mean? That someone who's who's stubborn like Belichick, you know, decides he's made up his mind about something, and and, and nobody's going to change it. And uh, you know, I, but but by the same token, I I have enough faith 
that hopefully, hopefully he's he's uh that's been just like maybe maybe he's counting the fact that McDaniel's might not make it out of year one in uh in LA and he'll be right back coaching offense next year. So who who knows? I thought Belichick. I thought Bel- some of Belichick's public comments have been telling. Um, very subtly the last few weeks. And I would say not the least of which is we talked about admitting that other teams um, had, were calling Patriots plays out. I thought that was a subtle shot at Patricia. And, and I think that, look, as stubborn as Belichick is, um, when something's this bad, don't you have to be honest with yourself that, yeah. that, that it didn't work? You know, you have to be. So uh, Belichick's not stupid. He might be stubborn, but he's not totally – he's not stupid at all he's brilliant and and i just feel like it is so apparent you don't you don't have to be a football genius to see that this hasn't worked and unless something radical changes over the next seven games you know your young quarterback is three steps back from where he was five steps back from where he was at the end of last year your offense was one of the worst in the league um you know i feel like belichick will ultimately i still have faith he'll do the right thing and move on from Patricia this year in spite of his personal affiliations at the end of the year, if this continues to fail, but I don't know. I mean, if he doesn't, it's, it's really going to, I think, put um, potentially Kraft and Belichick at odds for, for what direction they want the future of the franchise to go. Yeah. Agreed. And I, and I think the most likely scenario is not that like he fires them. I think it's just that he finds them a new position. You know what I mean? I think he switches it up internally. I don't, I don't think he'd let them go. Um, I think maybe it's just, uh, you know, you bring in someone else for the offense and you find something else for Matt Patricia to do. I don't know. Well, that. it would be a mutual, it would be a mutual party. It would be a mutual right. party. Like, you know, they, they would discuss it. They would, they would not be able to, to reach an agreement on, on who's going to be the offensive coordinator. Kraft would say, Bill, you're welcome back to be the head coach. You're, you're a legend. We love you, but I can't have Matt Patricia coaching this offense anymore. And, and, and Belichick would say, well, you know, Mr. Kraft, it's my, it's my decision to decide who the OC is, and I'm not. I'm not going to back down. And 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 they would just kind of shake hands and part ways. I mean, that's that's how I think it, it might. I mean, I, I mean, I'm just saying one scenario. Do I think that's going to happen? No. I think at the end of the day, I feel like if it keeps going like this, Belichick's going to do the right thing. He's not stupid. But but I also know. I mean, like you said, Malcolm Butler. You know, Cam Newton. Cam's our quarterback. I mean, he can dig in sometimes too. And if he really believes in Matt Patricia deep down inside. Um, watch out below because th- that could really be the thing that 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 Kraft and Belichick just you know I feel like can't reach the middle ground on. Yeah, you, you hope it doesn't uh, it doesn't come to that, right? I mean, you'd hate to see both components of the the Patriots legacy walking away um, due to a a lack of a meeting of the minds. Um, but you know, I th- I think Belichick. The way I look at it is, I don't I can't see Belichick coaching anywhere else. I think if he leaves, he's done. Um, yeah. and, and, and I also think that, you know, just the way his, his own ego and, you know, goal, goal oriented mind works. I think, you know, he's, he's got some records and some accomplishments. He's trying to break himself. Um, and I, I just don't see him, you know, walking away from that. Yeah, I, 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 I think you're right. I think you're right. And, um, hopefully it doesn't get to that point, but, but, but I honestly think that if you're John Kraft, if you're Robert Kraft, you know, you have to put your foot down about this issue with, with Matt Patricia, and hopefully Belichick will will be willing to play ball with him because, you know, if he doesn't, it, it's going to be a problem. Yep. It's going to be it's going to be a big point of tension. Okay, let's talk a little about the the game. Let's go back to the game on Sunday, Justin. Um, did you at any point think the Patriots were going to lose that game? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, 
I mean, right? you, you know, it, it, yeah, it had it written all over it. It did. It had it written all over, it, especially with the the two missed field goals. Um, and then at the two end, field goals, two, how many drives that petered out? Um, I dropped interceptions like three times, and you're just like, oh my god! Eventually, Zach Wilson has to make a play. Right, right, and yeah, it, especially you know, especially at the end of the game too. Um, when the Jets got the ball back that final time, you know, you just you just had that feeling. Like it was right after the Patriots drive stalled, and it almost seemed like the Jets were going to be the one to close the game out and either win it there or send it into overtime. Um, when they first got the ball back, and I was you know, I was like, you know what, that's it. Like something's going to happen here, and you know what? Luckily, it didn't. Um, but realistically, you were tied the entire game. You didn't have much going for you on offense. You were always um, at, a, at a at a decent risk to lose that game. So. You know, it was definitely uh, unsettling to watch. Yeah, it, it was weird because it felt like the Patriots were in command of the game for most of the game, and it felt like the Patriots should have been up by a lot. But then all of a sudden you look up and you're in the fourth quarter and they squandered so many opportunities, and they keep squandering opportunities. And I'll tell you, when Zach Wilson got that ball back with like two minutes left and the score was still 3-3, three to three, the Patriots couldn't close out that game on offense, four-minute offense, I said to myself, the Jets are going to win this game right here. Zach Wilson's going to hit a play. Garrett Wilson, Darnell Mims, someone's going to someone's gonna make a play for them and and wait and see. They're going to they're gonna steal this game right right from us. And um, the Patriots were very lucky that that didn't happen. I, I feel like if they had gone to overtime, I had a really bad feeling. I really did. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I love the fact that we were able to pull off a big play like that. Um, you know, that, that really is the Patriots way, right? Is to find a way to win the game when aspects of your game plan or aspects of your team just aren't getting the the job done is to, to grind it out, stick it out, stay in the game and find a way to win it. That, that seemed to have been the Patriots way, you know, for the last however many decades. Um, and it was nice to see, you know, the defense and the special teams step up to, to take care of the offense. Um, what did you think, Justin, um, about, I mean, it looks like the Patriots caught a huge break with the David Andrews injury. I think one of the reasons why people are so not excited about the Patriots right now is because this offensive line is so bad. It's like a fatal flaw. It's hard to see if even if everything else fell into place, it's hard to see them getting past this because their offensive line is so dilapidated. I mean, David Andrews is like one guy they can't afford to use. He's pretty much the only, him and Michael Oneo are like the only stable pieces on that offensive line right now it would have been devastating to lose him um don't you agree yeah you you, you can't lose him and i didn't see what the follow-up was as far as the extent of his injury but the fact that uh you're saying you we practice dodged. today so you practice today okay perfect you might play thursday perfect so yeah i mean Lock. that's 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 obviously massive right um you know he's a veteran he's he, he's been here he's a captain um you know, not his leadership and his play is 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 desperately needed in the offensive line. Uh, not a not a position we could afford to run thin at. Um, are you are you believing, Justin? We talked briefly grazed on this a few minutes ago, but are you believing in this Patriots defense right now? Uh, we've had the carpet pulled out from under us before by the by, by their defense looking really good against some really bad teams. They haven't exactly played world beaters on offense the last few weeks. The are you believing? What are we going to be saying about this Patriots defense in three weeks? Well, you know what? When we've had that 
feeling in the past, you know, I, I feel like there's been a couple things, and you kind of alluded to it earlier, the fact that it feels a little, it, you know, it feels a little bit different this time around with this defense. And I think that's the fact that it feels like this defense actually has playmakers, where in the past, it kind of felt like we had a bunch of guys who shouldn't have even necessarily been starting or playing significant minutes, but they were able to play well enough because the the opponents were so bad um, and we had enough guys overall on the defense that they could, you know, kind of keep it glued together against uh, medium and, and, uh, and, and bad opponents. But this year, I feel like we actually got some playmakers. Like, I feel like Duggar is really good. Like, I really like the, the guys in the secondary. Like, I love some of our young guys, like Jack Jones. Um, our, D- Judon, is, he's, he seems to still be healthy. Him and Dietrich Wise are great combination in the ends. You know what I mean? Our linebackers are looking young and, and rejuvenated. Like, it just, it just feels a little bit different. So, like, the circumstances have seemed kind of the same. Like, we're beating up on bad teams and bad defenses. And... We've struggled a little bit against uh, some of the better offenses, but I don't know. I'm holding out hope that it's just going to be a little bit different this time around. Yeah, I mean, but one one big difference for sure is this, they have young speed right. this year. And, like, you look back to, say, like 2019, and they were just trotting a bunch of old guys out there. They were really not, you know, fast. They were, they were slow. They were old. And when they played good teams – clearly they were exposed. Um, they got a lot of fast, young, up-and-coming players on this team right now, and I hope that is the difference. I would say I feel a lot better about this secondary this year than I do about last year's secondary, which is ironic. We didn't, none of us thought – we all thought the secondary was going to be a big problem area. Um, losing J.C. Jackson in the preseason, I think that was the consensus, that, that the secondary was going to be a major issue – and um, we've seen the complete opposite. It's actually been a position of strength um, between excellent safety play, the, the emergence of Jonathan Jones, Jack Jones proving to be a reliable player, Jalen Mills continuing to develop. Um, you know, it's not an issue. They have a good young, young linebackers. The defensive line is way better than it was the last two years, or it looks to be. Um, I feel like, am I totally bought in? No, I'm not totally bought in. I need to see them play well against Buffalo before I totally buy in. But I feel like better about them than, than I than I thought that was going to. And I feel better about the chances than last year. I'll say that. Yeah, I, I exactly. I, I feel better. I feel better than last year. I'm a little bit more optimistic, but yeah, I totally need to 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 see it to believe it. And we have some good tests coming up like we alluded to, right? We got Miami again. We still got Buffalo twice. Like we got teams like Cincinnati, uh Arizona. So, you know what? We got some good offenses. Even the Raiders, you know, they, they they've been moving the ball lately. I mean, it's that New Orleans game notwithstanding, but they they didn't look bad on offense last week. So, there there're going to be some tests coming up. You know, Justin, but to me, honestly, I've said it before, I'll say it again. The Patriots defense begins and ends with how they perform against Buffalo. You look at what Buffalo has done the last two years to this defense. They have completely dismantled this Patriots defense. I mean, embarrassed them. And short of one game in a blizzard in Buffalo last year, the Patriots defense really hasn't stood a prayer. And we almost blew that one, by the way. Don't forget how close the Patriots were to, to, to giving that game at the end. So they have to they have to show it against Buffalo. And until they do, I'm not 100% bought in. Justin, let's move to uh, – some topics around the league. Um, 
uh, and look at some of the other teams and, uh, and uh, other uh, places. But I want to start with the team that the Patriots played last week, the New York Jets. Um, I am so tired of hearing how Zach Wilson is the super talented guy. I don't see it at all. Like, he has a two-cent head. We all know that. That's evident. He doesn't have a good feel for the game. He plays the game, you know, completely lacks intangibles, completely lacks decision-making abilities. I mean, that's evident. But I'm tired of hearing how talented he is, too. Zach Wilson is not that talented. He doesn't even throw the ball. I don't think he throws the ball better than Mac Jones. I'm being completely honest with you. I don't see it. I looked at some of his passes on um, Sunday, and he was throwing some wobbly uh, wobbly ducks out there at a few spots. Like, to me, he's no more talented than any other average NFL quarterback. I'm not saying he doesn't have talent. They all have talent. And I think Zach Wilson's talent, frankly, is in line with some other decent starters in the league, like Jimmy Garoppolo, Kirk Cousins. But he's not some freak like Josh Allen was. People say, oh, well, you know, Wilson has a lot of talent. Look at Josh Allen. No, absolutely not. Josh Allen has elite talent. Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, they have elite talent. Herbert might not be a great quarterback. It's another issue. But they have elite talent. Zach Wilson does not have elite talent. He's an average thrower of the ball with a two-cent head. Do you agree with that take? And do you agree it's time for the Jets to put Zach Wilson on the bench immediately? I agreed with that before this year even started. And I I don't even think he deserved to be the starting quarterback. And I think it's actually a shame because had they gone out and got themselves in, in somebody in free agency or maybe, you know, taken a dip back into the draft, um, maybe this could be a team with a real chance because it seems like they're, they're pretty strong on every other side of the ball, including coaching. They're a very um, good team. The Jets are a very good team. They are. And, it, you know, it's it's scary to think that we'll have to – a terrible quarterback. Right, exactly. It's scary to think that, you know, if they make one change and bring in one new guy that can fix that, that now we're dealing with three very scary teams in our division for the foreseeable future. So, like, I definitely respect the Jets, um, but I have no respect for Zach Wilson. I think he's awful, and I really think if the Jets want to salvage uh, their season, they make the tough decision, and they they either bring their, their young guy, Mike White, in, who, you know what, like, look, uh, I get it, he's not, you know, a, high, a, a big prospect, but that kid's played pretty well every time he's gotten an opportunity. He's played better than Zach Wilson. He's played. I mean, he played a great game against Cincinnati last year, and then I think he came out the next game and he threw a couple horrible picks, and they benched him. And but it's like, oh my God, Zach Wilson's doing that every week. How much worse could he be? At least, at least, White right. is showing some in in in, in, he plays. in 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 Flacco. Like has played pretty yeah. well when he's played when he's played, and the the Jets receivers seem to like him. So like, you know, I. I think you got to make the switch to Flacco. Like, I really do. Like, at this point, it's yes. not about developing Justin, the, the young Jets quarterback. Win, did the Jets win on Sunday if Flacco is a quarterback? Uh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. They do, I think right? they Absolutely, do. they do. 100% they win. Joe Flacco gives them something. Zach Wilson gave them not, less than nothing. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. you got to get rid of Zach Wilson. Yeah, I mean, if they, they're, they're a good team. They're a well-built team from top to bottom. If they... Just play Joe Flacco the next seven games. They're going to be right in this thing. I mean, I think you sit Wilson down, you put him on the bench, and if the Jets, if I'm the Jets next year, I'm looking to sign or draft another quarterback. That's it. I'm done with Zach Wilson. I'm not giving him another chance. He's not that talented. He's got a two-cent head, and it was just a terrible draft pick. Move on to the next person. This, this, this guy has no chance of of – of redeeming his career. He is a total 
this isn't Brett Favre. You know, people like to use that analogy too. Brett Favre had tremendous talent. Brett Favre could throw the ball unlike almost anyone else we've ever seen. This guy is he's his arm talent is meh. I just don't see it. So I, I think they gotta they gotta they gotta move on. Um let's um let's talk a little bit, Justin, about the Denver Broncos, right? I look at that team and they are just totally falling apart. And I think they're like three and seven now after the loss to Oakland in overtime on Sunday. And I'm like, you know, I said to myself as I'm watching this game and I'm watching them lose in overtime. And I'm like, you know, it's Denver's going to have a really tough decision this year about whether they're going to stick with Russell Wilson or draft another quarterback in the first round. And then I realized they, they, they don't have a first-round pick. They traded their first-round pick to Seattle for Russell Wilson. Are the Denver Broncos completely screwed, Justin, right now? It feels like they are. It feels, honestly, like I, I don't see a road to it getting better. Like, I really don't. Like, you know, I, I saw I, I saw that their head coach, um, I think it was Nathaniel Hackett, he just turned over uh, playmaking responsibilities to the OC. or uh, I, I, Something of that nature, uh, relinquished play calling. Um, but, like, Russell Wilson, like, you know, I, I've heard, like, he's he's playing through injury this year, but, like, he started the season off looking awful. Like, this is a team that has really just looked as flat as flat can be. And, again, it's a shame because they got a good defense. Um, and, you know, some good weapons. And we, we I guess we expected them to compete. I know I certainly did. I, I was very high on them. I, I even picked them to, to go to the AFC Championship and potentially the I mean, Super Bowl. They did, they did pick up a first-round pick in the Bradley Chubb trade. Is that right? They or did. No, you know, they did. They picked up a first-round pick. Late, but, it's going to be a late pick. It's going to be like a 26 pick because it's Miami. Yeah, and by the same token, you also traded away one of the best young players in your defense. So right. it's like, you know, I yeah, I, I really – Yeah, yeah, I, I really think they they screwed themselves. And unless something happens and, like, a flip switches and Russell Wilson is able to look like Russell Wilson of old, I don't know how they get out of this, you know, unscathed. I think I think their, their investment in Russell Wilson is one of the all-time personnel fails – in recent NFL history. I mean, if you really think about what they gave up to get him and what they paid him, because remember, Justin, and we said this, you can pull the, the recording at the time, we talked about this. Like, I thought they had made a huge mistake by giving this guy a $230 million contract before he played it down. I mean, you could see in Seattle last year, he wasn't quite the same player. You really were under no obligation to sign this guy to a big contract. You should have put him on the field and see what he had left. It made sure it worked before you paid him that kind of investment. They are locked into this guy now, and I don't think he has it anymore. I think Russell Wilson, he's one of my all-time favorite NFL players. I, I think he's i think he's almost done. I, I really do. I think he's a huge part of the problem in Denver. I don't think it's just coaching or just the talent around him. I think Russell Wilson is, is a big part of what's wrong. He's, he's, he's losing it fast. and Not not everyone makes it to 45 like Brady. Not everyone loses it slow. You know, Everyone ages differently, and, and I think Russell Wilson is aging quickly, and it seems like he's really fallen off the map. And you look at, like, what's the path out of this mess for Denver? They're, they're stuck. They're screwed. Unless they get lucky and draft the next Tom Brady in the fifth round or something. I mean, I, that that is a franchise that could just be paralyzed because of this Russell Wilson train for three to five years. Yeah, 100%. And, like, it's like, I, I don't know. It's funny because it looks like, you know, Seattle just won that going away with it. Like, they're not only clearly the better team this year, despite what everyone thought, um, 
but just when you take into account all the assets they got as a result of it, like assets and players, like they got Noah Fant and uh, what's his name? Right, they got a good tight end. No, Noah Fant. What's what's that guy's name? The defensive tackle, um, who's who's really good. Shelby Jackson or something like that. Yeah, um, they got two good players and a bunch of draft picks. Yeah. So yeah, Seattle look like looking like big winners. Denver looking like big losers. And uh, yeah, this is the type of thing that may completely cripple. Um, this franchise and look, this was a franchise that I thought over the last couple of years was trending in the right direction. Like they built a good young defense. They were, they acquired some good talent on offense. Um, and they just seemed to be a quarterback away. And then once Russell Wilson that's came right. in the picture, I said to myself, Oh, that's it. They, there's the missing link. Right. This is going to be a team that's going to be a pain in the ass to, to compete with for the next three, four years. Um, and it's looking like we dodged a bullet, the rest of the league and that the Denver Broncos are really, uh, paying a price right now absolutely they are um justin buffalo bills we didn't record last week it was patriots bye week we had scheduling uh issues lost a big game to minnesota two weeks ago really looked kind of decent but not great against cleveland obviously tough circumstances um they had lost to the jets the week before the uh, the vikings game um they're not in first place in the division right now they're, they're behind miami are the Buffalo Bills still an elite team? Should they still be considered an elite team in the NFL right now? Yeah, and I, I, I'm going to point to last year when we were talking about them potentially like falling out of even the playoff race around this time of year because I believe they had dropped like three out of four games, like something of that nature, um, and they were trending in the wrong direction. And they turned it around for the end of the year and, you know, were, were was a play away from – potentially, um, you know, going to the Super Bowl because uh, I think they would have ran through Cincinnati the following week. Um, but, like, this, this this is a team that I think, like, they have all the pieces there. The The toughest part for them is just uh, that young secondary, right? Like, I still – I, I'm not sure if Tredavious White is even playing again yet. I know he was slated to – I don't think to, he has. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he has. I, I know he's slated to come back. Um so, you know, once once he comes back at some point, you know, and, and gets a few games under his belt, I think that's going to dramatically uh, increase this defense's potential. But that's one of the best front sevens in football. And they're just right now, they got a bunch of rookies at, at cornerback and in, in, in safety that they're, you know, slowly, uh, slowly, I guess, are coming into their own. But there's been growing pains, right? Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just think that's a team that's that's well coached. They got a ton of talent. And and Josh Josh Allen's clearly a weapon, um, so yeah, I'm I'm gonna say that they're still an elite team. Um, in you know, I, maybe not the the best team in the NFL, but I I still gotta give them the top three, top four, and and, and put them as a serious I contender. It, I think it's a long it's a long season, and I think every season's gonna hit highs and lows. Right, and they started off hot. They've hit a little bit of a lull. I still believe in the Buffalo Bills. I still believe the Buffalo Bills are an elite team. I still would take them probably over almost any team in the NFC right now. And in fact, I think I might take them over any team in the NFC. The only team that I think is clearly ahead of them right now is the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. But I don't care where that game is played, Kansas City, Buffalo, the moon, anywhere. Buffalo, Kansas City, either team could take that game when they when they inevitably meet in January. So I do still believe in the Buffalo Bills. Um I, 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 and don't forget the quarterback was injured. It, it looked like he threw the ball reasonably well last week. I don't think that's going to be a huge factor in their season. So 
they hit a little rough patch. Um, they're going to be there, I think, right at the end with, with the top of the conference. And, and it will come down to, you know, either Arrowhead Stadium or in Buffalo um, in January, uh, who makes the plays in the fourth quarter. That, that's still what I believe. Um, Justin, let's go to the NFC. Right now, you have to pick. You have to put your money down. Who's going to win the NFC? Would you take San Francisco and Dallas or Minnesota and Philly? You, have to, you, 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 you were given an option to choose one of those two groupings. Which one would you choose? You know, if I have to take one of the two groupings, I'm going to take um, I'm going to take uh, San San Fran and Dallas. But I I would like a a write in option. I'm going to go with I you know if I had to pick, I would go with option C. And I weirdly have a feeling that Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers yeah. are still going to wind up taking the NFC. I mean, look, you know what? Like, like they're it's, it's a shoe in for them to win the division. So you know they're not going to fall yep. any lower than the four seed, right? It's a cake. Um, it's it's it's, it, it's going to be a cakewalk, and like you mean to tell me that like you know their first round game could be something like Daniel Jones and the Giants coming to Tampa Bay, and then if they win yeah. that, they go to Seattle and play like Geno Smith, right? Like I mean, come on, like like Tom Brady, like Tom Brady and the Bucks are still in a great position. Um, they're a team that's been struggling to gel all year. They've been struggling to stay healthy, but I do think they're going to continue to improve and get healthier as the season goes on. And I think uh, that come the playoff time, like the Bucs team is going to be dangerous. And I think they're my personal favorite to go out there and win the NFC. Yeah, I mean, look, we, we've spent the better part of this season trashing uh, Brady and Tampa Bay. And, and look, they have a lot of problems on holes on that team too. So I'm not ready to say that they are an elite team. I'm not ready to say that they're one of the best teams in the NFC. But as you alluded to, they're going to be in the playoffs. And we know what Tom Brady does in January. We know that's his time. And they have a lot of time to figure it out. They don't have to be great because their division is so bad. They're, they're Like you said, they're a lock for the four seed. Um, I do also have a weird feeling that somehow Brady's going to be there, at least in the divisional round at the end, if not the conference championship, if not beyond that. Um, and, and, and it just kind of feels like that win against the Rams it kind of saved Tampa Bay season, right? Yeah, it, it definitely saved the season. Um, I mean, look, yeah, the, the, that was a team that, you know, again, they, they had growing pains and injuries the first half of the season. Um, Tom was obviously all over the media, right, and, and not in a good way. A lot of negative attention on that team. Um, but, yeah, they stopped the bleeding against L.A., um, and, and now they're coming off of a bye week. I just feel like this is uh, – this is a great opportunity for this team to, you know, kind of go on a run right here to close the season out. But I, and I think their schedule is, is truly is truly easy. Like I, I I don't want to go through it right now, but if you take a look and, and look at the games that they playing, they really don't have much left in terms of difficult games. Uh, Justin, is Aaron Rodgers done in Green Bay? That was a really I thought a, almost an ugly performance uh, on Thursday night, coming off a really big win against Dallas at home. Talk that they had saved their season. Everyone was quick to declare the Packers were back. They were quick to declare Aaron Rodgers was back. And then come on on Thursday night and really just look like the same bad Packers team we had saw through the first nine weeks or so. Um, I can't help but wonder if this is the end for Rodgers and Green Bay. What do you think? Yeah, I I got I was personally one of the people that were fooled. Um, you know, after that big win against Dallas, I thought, oh, maybe this would like kickstart something. Um 
and this would be a team that could you know kind of go on a run following that big win. But they came out the other night and and got spanked by Tennessee. They look they really don't look like they got much going for them, and you can just see the clear frustration on Rogers' face. Like it doesn't look like he's he's loving uh, playing football. It doesn't look like he's happy with the situation or that he wants to be part of you know some sort of rebuild. Uh, offen- you know, offensively, I, I, I really do think this could be the the start of the end. I, I, I can't see you know unless they make significant uh, changes and get him some real weapons next year. I mean, I, you know, he's he's what he's on year two right now of his four year deal that he signed. Like it's yeah, his groundbreaking four year deal. Yeah. Forty next year. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like he looks he looks like a guy that's like ready to retire. I, I don't know. You know, it just doesn't feel like he has that that fire. That 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 he once had, you know. I just he, he just his yeah. body language. I don't know his attitude. Really per, pervade, pervasive in the whole attitude of the team. It just looks like he really kind of doesn't want to be there, and he might be done with football. That's how that's the vibe I get. And I know he might have something physically left in the tank, but mentally, emotionally, I mean, is this guy going to want to go start pick up? Does he look like a kind of guy that's got the drive to go pick up and find his version of Tampa Bay? For example, and start over from scratch with another team. I don't get that vibe. From no, him, so. but you know what? He may be, he may have enough. Because look, I, I think he's still a good quarterback. He just looks like exhausted with his his teammates in his current situation. Like he could be a guy who finds an extra year or two in the tank if he were to say get traded to a team kind of like Denver was this year, a team that was you know ready to win a quarterback away. Like for instance, like. The Jets, the Jets, the Jets, exactly. Yeah, we were thinking the same thing. Like he would, that would be a great spot for Aaron Rodgers to land uh, in terms of coming into like a built, ready to win now. I situation. just can't see that. I, I just couldn't see him functioning in a media market like New York. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, with his attitude. But but you're, I mean, I don't know. I think it'd be tough. But it, it, he he has physically. I think he has enough left to be valuable to someone for sure. It just it just doesn't feel like he's emotionally going to do it. Now, um, who right now, Justin, do you think is the MVP of the National Football League? We made predictions in the preseason. I don't even remember who 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 we all. I think I picked Josh Allen actually, which is not an unreasonable pick, but probably wouldn't be my pick today because um, they're trending down a little. But um, who knows? That could change in a few weeks too. But who is your MVP right now? Wow, who is my MVP of the league right now? Um, you know, that's, that's, can I give you my pick? What you think? Yeah. A boring, boring pick, but I think spot on it's Patrick Mahomes, man. I mean, like you don't have to overthink it. Like it's Mahomes best player on, on, on a team. They're eight and two. They're the best team in the AFC right now. Number one seed in the AFC. You can't tell me they're probably not the best team in the league. I mean, who are you taking over Kansas City? I might take Buffalo over them still. Okay, or I think it'll be a flip of the coin. But you put Kansas City in Minnesota or Kansas City in Philadelphia, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm taking Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. No-brainer for me. I know that the Chiefs team isn't perfect. All the more reason why Mahomes is the MVP, you know, because he, he just elevates. He loses his best player, doesn't skip a beat. Yeah, I would I would have to agree. I uh I mean the another guy I was thinking that you could potentially throw in the conversation is is Jalen Hurts. Um but I but you know he's he he's kind of died down a little bit as of late over the last few weeks. Um there really there's really nobody running away with it this year. Like there's you know and I guess Mahomes has probably been the closest to that guy, but like 
you know, it just doesn't seem like there's a guy or a group of guys that have just been lighting the league consistently on fire this year. You know, it's no, nobody's nobody's making a, a too strong of a case. Um, so yeah, I would have to say probably Mahomes. Maybe you know, I, I I'm Are still you thinking that this is like this is like the lowest scoring in like. 30 years in the NFL this year. Yeah, Do I've been I've been hearing about it and like I I I mean it's no shock. What are like, your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on that? It's surprising given the emphasis that the league places on offense in like all the defensive restrictions. Um you know, I, I yeah, I, I it's to me, I would say if anything, it's a result of the quarterbacking this year. I mean, I feel like the the league is in a situation where, you know, where we're still trying to develop that next young crop of talent, right? The old, you know, the the, the OGs, so to speak, that are supposed to, you know, be, be holding strong, the, the Tom Brady's, the Aaron Rodgers, the, the Russell Wilson's of the world, right? Like, they've had some of their worst seasons. Um, and it just seems like overall, yeah, quarterback play has been down across the board. Um, you know, we've been talking. I'll tell you right now. I freaking love it. I love it. Like, I miss balanced defensive football. Like, this is what football is supposed to be like. Yeah. It's not supposed to be a track meet. I, if I wanted to watch a track meet, I'd watch the arena league. Okay, I'd watch I'd watch, um, I'd watch, watch um, the Canadian football league. Like, NFL football is supposed to be a balance of defense, offense, and special teams. Mm-hmm. And when the NFL was at its best, that's what it was, okay? When they started tinkering with the rules, they, they really made the game still terrific, but worse, in my opinion. You know what? I'm all for it. Let the defenses, the pendulum should always swing back. Stop artificially engineering um, and propping up all these offices so that everyone's scoring 40 and 30 points a game. Um, let the pendulum swing back. Let the defenses catch up, which they've clearly done. And, and, and let's watch some, some balanced football, some balanced football for once. And I think that's why, honestly, as a fan, I love it. I'm thrilled by, by the product I'm seeing this year. Yeah, no, I definitely haven't been disappointed with the games themselves. Um, it's it's been a lot of exciting football, a lot of a lot of back and forth games, a lot of upsets, a lot of uh, you know last minute, um, you know big plays. And again, like you said, yeah. as a fan, it's been a lot of fun for sure. And take all the phony baloney BS scoring and throw it out the window. I guarantee you the ratings are just as good as they ever were. People just want to yeah. see competition. They want to see good competitive sports. They don't need to see you know, seven touchdowns uh, from each team in a game. Justin, who is the next head coach in the league to get fired? And if you can't think of one off the top, I can give you my prime candidate. I mean, you got to think McDaniels is up there, right? I don't think, I don't think so. I honestly think, I think he's safe. I really do. I, I don't, I don't think they fire McDaniels this year. I really don't. Because, because I, I think you have to give him a second year to implement his program. I mean, you made a huge investment in the guy. Um, I think Carr is gone. I think if anyone's yeah. going to be the the whipping boy, the fall the fall guy for this year, it's going to be Derek Carr. I think he's pretty, made it pretty clear you're not winning with Derek Carr. You just can't win with the guy. I mean, he was in tears last week. I'm not trying to make fun of the guy. Uh, I feel sorry for him. It's good that he takes it seriously and cares about his trade. But I, I just feel like you, you know he, he he's showing that he's probably not the guy. So I think he's gone. But I think McDaniel's a safe my guy. Okay, and I think he get fired this year would be Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. Arizona. Yeah. I don't hate that. I, Cliff Kingsbury, or I was even thinking Nathaniel Hackett over in Denver, but I mean, yeah, I, I would say, um, 
Kingsbury, Kingsbury definitely has to be in the hot seat. Like, I haven't been confident in him since day one. Um, I don't know right. why he got so much credit and got so much hype. Like, it seemed to me that, like, when Kyla Murray came in and kind of, you know, took the world by storm, you know, his rookie year, um, and nobody was kind of prepared for him or really knew how to play him, and he was kind of lighting it up. I feel like that success got translated to Cliff Kingsbury. And, like, ipso facto, everyone thought, oh, Cliff Kingsbury's the guy. He's the next, yeah, you know, young young coach in the league that's going to, you know, take this program to new heights. But, like, no, I, I think he's a bum. I think he's really incompetent, and I think he's holding that team back a ton. Yeah, I, I, could, I couldn't agree more. And, and I think, like, I haven't really watched this NFL Hard Knocks show, but from what I've heard, you know, it's pretty evident that he – doesn't really know what he's doing from from people that watch it. So I got to catch up on that. But but I think I think Kingsbury is is the next guy to go. Um, Hackett, I think you say McDaniel's might be a one and done. I, like I said, I don't agree with that. But Hackett could be a one and done um, because because I just feel like it's it's gone that poorly and it feels like from people that know this kind of stuff that actually like there's been a lot that he's done that's just been really incompetent. And, and you know, two things have happened that really reflect that. One is they had to hire a clock management coordinator after, like, the second week of the year. Do you remember that? So the Broncos yeah. have a clock management. So that's that's a that's an embarrassing thing and a bad sign. And now, like you said, they took away the play calling from him and they gave it to someone else, which, you know, to the conversation about Matt Patricia and the Patriots, you know, teams do this when things are this bad. And, and the Patriots should be considering doing this, but that's a bad sign, a bad omen for Hackett, for sure. So he could totally be uh, a one and done. What about, I'm going to throw two other names at you. I don't think they'll get fired this season, but for next year. Is uh, Dan Campbell back with the Lions next year, Justin? Is he is he not earning a, a third year with the way that team is playing right now? Uh, I'm on the fence about that because I, I feel like they love him over in, in, in Detroit, and I feel like the team loves him. So I, you know, I, 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 they didn't necessarily take the step forward that I think a lot of people thought they were going to take this year, um, but I, he may have bought himself a third year. May I think I think he's got a he's got to have a strong finish to the year. They're four and six, right at the end of the day. Ye, are they four and six? Uh, yeah, they're four yeah, and six okay. right now. So they're yeah. still 500 teams. Yeah. So, I mean, look, if they go out and they lose five of their last seven games, he's going to probably get fired. Right. But if they win five of their last seven, I mean, and they're playing well right now. So yeah. so I think he's coaching for his uh, season, for his career. Uh, what about Brandon Staley? The Chargers, big loss on Monday night. Can't beat the Chiefs. Um, feel like they're underperforming. They were everyone's darling in the summer. I, I think we, we'd certainly both advise caution on that team back, back um, in the summer. Um, does not feel like things are going well for the LA Chargers. Doesn't feel like they're meeting their potential. I think he's gone next year unless unless they finish strong. What do you think? Yeah, I personally would like to see him gone. I, I kind of think he's a bum. I think he's a little bit too risky, a little bit too uh, follow the analytics. He's made a ton of bonehead plays and decisions that have cost his team. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I've just never seen the uh, the appeal with him. And yeah, I think you know you. You would call this from the beginning. Um, Chargers are going to be one of those underwhelming, underperforming teams this year, and they certainly I, have lived up to that. I agree with what you said about Staley, and I don't think he's a good coach, and I think I can't stand the analytics thing. He, he screwed himself, and he deserves to go. But you wait and see. Um, Justin Herbert is very quietly moving into the category of coach 
pass-killing quarterback, a guy who has amazing talent, puts up good statistics, and makes just enough plays to string you along, but doesn't win games, doesn't make plays when it counts, and is just not quite what everyone thinks he is. Those kind of players are coach killers. And as much as I think Staley is, is, is not a great head coach, I'm telling you, man, Herbert kind of skates. He's in his third year, really hasn't won much, throws a pretty ball. You know, so did Jamarcus Russell, so did Jeff George, so did Ryan Leaf. I'm not saying he's on that level of bad. He's obviously way beyond that. But, but you know, this guy might be the kind of guy that, that that's a coach killer. You know what I mean? Like yeah. a player that's kind of good but not that good, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree 100%. I'm not completely sold on Herbert being an elite quarterback in to that point of him not be, you know, maybe having that it factor. I, I really haven't seen him do too many clutch things in terms of, you know, coming up and winning the big games or and he's or, had opportunities. He's had opportunities. Yeah, he really has. Exactly. All right. Let's, uh, let's just wrap it up in a sec, Justin, before we do, uh, we should talk a little about the game on Thursday, Thanksgiving night, um, Patriots Vikings. Uh, do you think it's a bad thing that the Vikings got smashed last week by the Cowboys? I, I think it is. I would have liked to, I would like them to win last week. And catch them off guard this week. It's it's gonna be hard to catch them off guard now. Yeah, um, you know, I look. This is a game I'm really up in the air about. Um, I think, to be honest, this is a kind of gonna be a decent time to catch the Vikings. Like I really do. Like I think, like coming off of that big loss, um, I don't know. I just feel like you know, for some reason, I got a weird feeling this is gonna be a good time to play them. I think the Patriots are gonna find a way to pull it out on Thanksgiving. Um, Call me crazy, but yeah, I, I actually feel pretty good about this. I, I actually do too. I really do, and I don't know why. And it's so weird because, like, if they win this game and they're seven and four, it's like it's it's like it's it's going to be hard to complain about things, even though they may, you know, we may want to. And there's so much negativity around this team, but I think if David Andrews plays, I think that they, I think that they will, um, I think that they will win this game. And I think that, you know, the Vikings, don't be surprised if the Patriots offense looks a lot better this week because the Vikings are not the defensive team that the Jets and the Colts are. I mean, you got to remember, when we talk about um, about the Patriots' offensive struggles, and we talked about that a lot, Bears, Colt, Bears with Robert Quinn and uh, Ro- Roquan Smith were a good defense. Jets, Colts, Jets, those are two of the best defenses in the league. They've played some really good defenses the last month. I don't think that, that we kind of forget that. I think a lot. So I think they're going to look better against the Vikings this week. Um, you know, I, I think, I think, it, I think Kirk Cousins, I respect him. I was glad to see him get a signature win um, against Buffalo. And then in true Kirk Cousins fashion, he just completely pulls the carpet off from under himself and they turn in one of their worst performances of the year. A huge loss for the Vikings is this offensive tackle in the concussion protocol. His name I'm, I'm drawing a blank on, but they got to all both right tackle or left tackle that's not going to be able to play. Uh, I think you add it all up, and I, th- I think this is a game that is actually closer than than, it, than you might think, and I, I think Patriots going to have a real shot to win this game. I really do. Yeah, no, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I actually feel really good about it. I love the fact that it's like the last game of Thanksgiving. Like, great way to end the slate. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. I think this, uh, this Patriots defense is going to roll all over primetime Kirk Cousins. Um, and yeah, I, I actually do completely agree that the offense is going to find a way to, uh, to look a little better against this Vikings defense. Cause we know, we know Belichick's defense struggles against elite quarterbacks. And I like Kirk cousins as a player, but do you think he's at that level? Like where he, he can make 
you know, where he's he's going to be the kind of guy that exploits this defense like Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson did. Like, I, I like Kirk Cousins. I just don't think he's that level of quarterback that's going to that, – that can really burn this team. No, I, I, I don't think he is, and I don't think he will, to be honest. I think the Patriots defense is actually going to do pretty well. Um, I Yeah, I – I, I don't have confidence in Kirk to, to go out and do that. I really don't. I actually kind of see more of a similar performance to what happened against Dallas, if we're being honest. Yeah, well, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. That will be a great way to end Thanksgiving. All right, man, well, listen, that's all the time we have tonight. I want to thank everyone that listened to this edition of the Dr. Football Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I know we certainly enjoyed making it for you. Justin, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap it up? And I brave the masses and dare go into whole foods tonight. Oh, well, you know what? Good luck with that. I want to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. Um, Should be a good day of football. Um, And, you know, overall just, uh, you know, encourage everyone to enjoy the time off with their family, eat some good food, watch some football, make some good decisions. And uh, we will catch you guys next week. All that and don't drink and drive. Yes. Yes, (laughs) exactly. That is big decision. Number one. Big decision, number one. Well, listen, man, have a great trip out to Nebraska. All you all out there, wherever you're going and whoever you're celebrating with, I hope hope you have a blessed Thanksgiving. Be safe, be smart, enjoy yourself, watch the game, and we will catch you next week with another edition of the Doctor Football Podcast and hopefully talking about a 7-4 Patriots team. We will see you on Thursday.